Hi, this is Suzanne with a quick cold open. First, I messed up the audio on this episode and recorded with the wrong microphone, so Madison sounds great and I sound like I'm recording from the inside of a tin can. So, sorry about that. I have learned to check my settings properly before hitting record next time. Second, about 20 minutes into the episode, I say Sky is like basic cable. It's not. They're a communications company that provides TV and internet. They're more like Dish in the US. Sky is owned by Comcast now though, so that's fun. Third, you might notice during the credits that I don't mention the outro. That's because I said the wrong outro. It was going to be the four kids gum gum rap from One Piece, but I decided y'all didn't need to suffer like that. So I played us out with the Pokemon theme instead. If you've never heard the full version, I've linked to it in the show notes. Lastly, thank you so much for sticking with us, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, so you don't have to worry about monthly hosting fees. It has built-in creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can record and edit using your favorite audio recording software and upload it straight to Anchor. Anchor will also distribute your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and Anchor will even match you with advertisers as your audience grows. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, Anchor is a pretty great place to start. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Everyone remembers the I'll turn my trusty frying pan into a drying pan. listening to two leaves in a trench coat i'm suzanne and i'm madison and today i wanted to talk about the greatest anime villain of the late 2000s which is four kids oh okay i was like <laughs> i was like who you give me a look <laughs> there were so many i couldn't pick one like are we talking about <laughs> late yagami are we talking about absent dad hohenheim like <laughs> are we talking about the snake guy from naruto whose name escapes me right now okay yeah four kids absolutely let's go um, i'm sorry to disappoint if you thought i was gonna trash your least favorite character four kids is everybody's least favorite character it's kind of funny because i think i think this might be a you're wrong about four kids episode oh you're giving me a look but (laughs) when i started doing my research i was like oh this will be easy i had like half a page of outline before i went into research that i was like i know exactly what i'm gonna talk about and it's gonna be like a quick 
fast and dirty episode and it'll just trash for kids the whole time. And then like six hours of research later, I have like six pages of notes. So. Oh no. Okay. Well, is this the episode that we redeem for kids? Um, maybe. Okay. We'll see. I'm absolutely interested. Let's, <laughs> let's go. So do you want to talk about what your perspective of four kids Ooh. is in the year 2021? Um, four kids, like literally probably every mid 20s anime fan in America grew up watching four kids like on the weekends. Mm-hmm. They had anime, they had Pokemon, they had Mm-hmm. They did not have Sailor Moon because Cartoon Network had Sailor Moon. Yep. Did they have One Piece? Yes. Yes. Okay. I know that they did really dumb shit like the infamous this is a this is a jelly donut <laughs> incident uh with Pokemon. Which mm-hmm. uh if you don't know, it's they translated a part of Pokemon where one of the characters is holding up in onigiri which is a traditional like japanese food it's a rice ball with filling inside it's like a quick easy on the go lunch that a lot of people have they translated it to be this jelly donut which like does not visually look like one at all They, they didn't even edit it to look like a jelly donut it was very clearly a rice ball. Like, even if you didn't know what it was as a child, yeah, that was not a jelly donut. Yeah. I know they- Ooh, did they have Yu-Gi-Oh? I'm pretty sure they ran Yu-Gi-Oh. Ooh! Yep. <laughs> they cut out so many episodes of that that it's a blur in my brain. I could not yep. tell you the finer points of, <laughs> of any of the first series of Yu-Gi-Oh beyond the fact that, like, getting sent to the Shadow Realm was just, like, getting detention- Wherein, like, apparently the the actual show, it's, you die. You're dead. Goodbye. <laughs> Those characters were dead. They're dead. Which is wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's, that's legitimately all I remember about four kids. Yeah, my perspective, growing up watching anime, circa 2008, general consensus around anime fans was, fuck four kids, they ruin anime, and anyone caught defending them could go ahead and jump in the trash with them. I wish all four kids defenders a very die. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And yeah, a lot of the complaints that fans had are exactly what you said. They censored a lot of visual elements like guns and blood. They often removed firearms and rewrote character deaths. Like, instead of dying, you go to the Shadow Realm. Or some characters were written to just have gotten sick and were like just not in the story anymore weirdly yeah and sometimes they would cut things that turned out to be important later which caused huge problems and my introduction to four kids was actually through their dub of tokyo mimi which they renamed mimi power remember that yeah i feel like i mentioned detective conan and tokyo mimi once an episode i mean uh, listen i do the same with with naruto at this point so like (laughs) Yeah, Mimi Power aired on this channel called Pop in the UK and Ireland. It was a channel we got through Sky, which is satellite TV. Isn't that, like, one of the main channels in, like, the UK slash Ireland? Sky? Yeah. 
Yeah, Sky is like the satellite TV service. Pretty much, if you have TV, you have Sky. Oh, so it's just, it's it's basic cable over here. That's the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. So this channel, Pop, aired, it kind of felt like the Cartoon Network Nickelodeon rejects. Yes. Wasn't it like <laughs> WB? Wasn't it Warner Brothers that did 4Kids too? Or am I misremembering that? I will get into the 4Kids WB relationship i guess wonderful but this this specific channel in the uk aired berenstein bears care bears dennis the menace h2o the show that gave me nightmares called augie and the cockroaches ruby gloom (laughs) so if you're listening to this and if you used to watch pop or tiny pop on sky please message us on twitter or email us immediately because i need to know that i did not hallucinate this channel there is a wiki page, so at least other people have seen it, or at least also hallucinated it. But um, it's like one of those things where, I, I don't know if it was like part of the, because you had to purchase the kids package. And I don't know if it was one of those things that like you still got in the like not premium package. But anyway, that was the channel me and my sisters used to watch because they had all these random shows on. Oh man. So... Yeah, like I said, this might be a You're Wrong About Four Kids episode. Unfortunately, it's going to be very US-centric. I'm so sorry if you are the, like, 99% of people who (laughs) do not live in the US. I mean, listen, we did warn them from the beginning (laughs) that, like, there would be some US-centric episodes, so. Some. Yeah, that Sky TV tangent is going to be, like it for this episode oh man (laughs) so to get to the origins of four kids we have to go back to the 70s to a company called leisure concepts incorporated or lci okay so they were an independent licensing agency based in new york city a licensing agency basically takes a product like a toy or in lci's case uh real people and presents them to retailers and takes a cut of the profits. So if you've ever bought an anime DVD or a plush toy of your favorite character, licensing company is the reason it got on that shelf. Oh. Yeah, I had to look this up and there was so much legalese to sift through. And oh I was just like, God. Google, please, please explain this to me like I'm five. Google, please. <laughs> so LCI was founded by Mike Germlican. Germ? Germ? Germa Clan? Oh god. Mike Germa Clan. And he uh, went on to create Thundercats and Stan Weston, who created G.I. Joe and Captain Action. Oh man. So Thundercats. These were guys who knew how to create IPs that were popular with kids, knew the industry, and knew what would sell. Yeah, especially in, in that time period when everything was like. It got a show because that was the marketing for a toy mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff that is very nostalgic for for 80s kids now. Mm-hmm. LCI also took a chance on this weird sci-fi film from this young director in his 30s during the late 70s um, called Star Wars. Hey! <laughs> My boy! <laughs> So they licensed the games, the toys, the trading cards, action figures. And as we all know now, Star Wars is ridiculously popular, did extraordinarily well, and merch sales went through the roof. 
But the only reason why Elsie Isles isn't swimming in Scrooge McDuck money is because George Lucas cut a deal with the studio because the studio was like, this is like a weird sci-fi film. Who's going to see this? Yeah. So they're basically like, all right, we'll take the movie sales, tickets and stuff like that. And George, you can take the merch sales, which, and he got to keep 100% of the profits from merch. So I bet to this day they're kicking themselves in the dick about it. Oh, yeah. Especially because eventually he would sell his IP to Disney and he's pretty much like richer than God at this point. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely has more money than what he knows, than he knows what to do with. So, yep. So after LCI's licensing deal with Star Wars, they later signed a deal in 1987 with a company looking for someone to market their software products for their new gaming systems. Uh, this company had just introduced a little game called Legend of Zelda oh, for boy. the Nintendo Entertainment System, Yes, which yes, had yes. sold a cool million copies in the past year. hoo <laughs> That's my boy. I love Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Fun fact, did you know that Nintendo has been around for, like, ever? They sold, like, card games in the 1800s. Yes, they are, I think, the oldest gaming company because they started out selling, I think it's Hanafuda cards. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, the 1890s or something. Yeah. Like, 19th century. It is my favorite fun fact. <laughs> Favorite fun fact about Nintendo, I should specify, because I have a lot of favorite fun facts, but most of them I can't say in polite company. (laughs) (laughs) So a year after their Nintendo deal, they hired Alfred Kahn, a CEO, who had licensed Cabbage Patch Kids. So he was a guy who knew what he was doing if he could sell weird chubby dolls born from cabbages. Who were a hazard to children in the case of the ones with the motorized mouths. So they had motorized mouths. Yeah, there was so I know this is another sidebar, but for Cabbage Patch Kids <laughs> and like other toys, they have like different series. There was a series that had like that were like ones you could like pretend to feed or something, but because it old school, it had a little I mean, still they still do it because technology hasn't changed in terms of toy production all that much, but there was a little mm-hmm. motor in the little devil a vegetable baby <laughs> that would open and like make its mouth like chew and it was a hazard because like it can't tell if you're feeding it something that it's not supposed to eat like fingers fingers you could take it out it, the motor wasn't uh-huh. like the chewing wasn't that powerful but if something long like hair got caught in it it would oh. go down into the mouth and get pulled into the motor Oh no. Toys like that are still hazards today, but like that specific series of Cabbage Patch Kids is one of the more famous instances of it, I believe. Yeah. Uh, every time I hear about like toys from the 80s, it feels like they just stuck motors and shit oh, yeah. and pointy stuff all over toys and were like, how about it, kids? Like lawn darts were a thing, apparently. Oh yeah. The original Easy Bake Oven and Creep. Creepy, creepy crawlies, which was like a silicone latex. Like you can make little stretchy bugs and stuff. I had one. I fucking loved it. I can still smell (laughs) it to this day. It was probably very bad for me. But like, 
the original ones from the 80s, they weren't, like, children-safe light bulbs and then, like, putting the, the heat containment unit in a place that, like, the kid could not get to it. They were straight-up heating plates that were out in um, the open that kids oh. could just touch. For a child. <laughs> for kids. Toys for kids. You know, if they get oh, hurt, God. it's their own damn fault. <laughs> America. Oh, God. What's better than this? Just children learning <laughs> lessons with incredibly dangerous toys. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So, back to LCI. The 90s is where they really hit their stride. This is when they created two new subsidiaries, the Summit Media Group Incorporated and 4Kids Production. Hmm. Summit handled syndication rights for licensed products in print and broadcast media, Four Kids handled the studio, which bought, produced, and distributed animated and live-action media. So, going into this period, LCI still had its deal with Nintendo when they created Pocket Monsters, or Pokemon, which was wildly successful in Japan, and then again when it was localized for the US. I feel like going through the timeline of LCI is just them making, like, brilliant decision after brilliant decision and just being there at the right time. Yeah, the funny thing is, it's literally just, like, stupid dumb luck that they picked up so many series that ended up having the staying power that they did. Yeah, I mean, I think they were definitely smart, because the people who founded it were two guys who created, like, IPs and toys that are so famous that people still recognize them decades later. I mean, that's, that's true. That's definitely a factor. Like, they definitely had a leg up over other licensing companies in that regard because they they definitely knew the trends and like Mm -hmm. what would catch on yeah and i assume they had a lot of connections because they didn't go into this as like i guess dumb 20 year olds absolutely (laughs) so by the end of the century lci had a net income of 23.7 million dollars just three years before that they had a profit of almost 740,000. And that's in 80s money? 90s, 90s money? 90s money? Woo! Yeah. What's that in today's money? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Has inflation changed that much? Yes. Oh, God. Remember how we've had like three recessions? <laughs> oh, yeah. Funny that. Yeah, even like 80s and like even 90s money is it's a little bit inflation is a little bit crazy in America. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, hold on. Okay. So they went from 1,240,000 ish mm-hmm. to 39,728,000. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I told you. They made a lot of fucking money. I told you. Whoa, <laughs> man. That's crazy to think that that's how much inflation is. Yeah. That and just like the rate at which they made their money Yeah, is wild. That's about the same time frame that we've been alive. <sighs> Couple years, give or take. So. Yeah. And... During this time, while they were booming, they changed their name to 4Kids Entertainment Incorporated. So as 4Kids entered the 21st century, 
they were listed as Fortune's top fastest growing company for the year 2000. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, I think they had just started doing the Pokemon dub, but they were still very much a licensing company that hadn't really delved into like children's broadcast media. Mm -hmm. So in 2000, the Pokemon franchise had raked in $16 billion and 4Kids was its exclusive licensor in the US and UK. Damn! (laughs) Yeah. So, because they assumed that the Pokemon buzz wouldn't last forever, they continued to make other licensing deals, including a new contract with Marvel Comics to market merch for X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Incredible Hulk. Hmm. And then after that, they secured a four-year, $100 million deal with Fox Broadcasting Company to program its Saturday morning lineup. Uh, So Fox had previously had a Saturday morning kids slot called Fox Kids. They sold it to Disney, and Disney dissolved it, which meant that 4Kids took over a block of primetime kids TV from Fox and then collected all of the advertising revenue. Oof. Yeah. I vaguely remember Fox Kids. Vaguely. Mm-hmm. Like, I, d- I definitely remember ABC, the weekend show for ABC Kids, way more than, than Fox. So when four kids had it, they ran it as Fox Box. And this is when they picked up Yu-Gi-Oh! and revived Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, wow. So during this time, they dubbed and or broadcast Sonic X, Shaman King which was lambasted by parents for being too dark. Shaman King? (laughs) Yeah, you say that because by today's standards, and also by anime standards, it's really not that bad. Yeah. But this was just coming out of the 90s. That's fair. Yeah. They also did Winx Club, New Power. They acquired the Cramp Twins, Back to the Future, the animated series, Bratz, and a bunch of others. I don't know if you've heard of the Cramp Twins, I don't know how well known that one was. Uh, I it rings no absolutely no <laughs> okay. bells to me. Oh, here I'll look it up. Yeah, it's like a weird show where there are these two twins. One's super nerdy, and the other one just like causes problems on purpose. For some reason, one of them is blue. I've never seen this show in my life. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels to me like the way Augie and the Cockroaches feels, where I wasn't entirely sure that it was a real show. Until I looked it up. This looks like a fever dream. I have I've literally, <laughs> literally, I've never seen the show in my life. <laughs> if you've heard of the show, please message us so I know that I didn't just imagine it. It's definitely not imagine. There's a Wikipedia page, but like, I have no memory of it whatsoever. <laughs> so in 2005, 4Kids sold its 3% stake in the Pokemon company back to its rights holders. At this point, it was Nintendo Creatures and Game Freak, and then Mm. chose not to renew their license. I don't know why. Maybe they decided it was more lucrative to just not have a stake in the company and just... They didn't have the license either. That seems like a really weird choice. Yeah. And then in 2007, Warner Brothers and CBS announced that they'd be ending in-house production of their kids' WB programming block. And then 4Kids bought it. Oh, yeah, so that was a five-hour Saturday morning block. So they had those five hours, 
and also the four from Fox. So they had a solid nine hours of children's programming where they could just cash in on ads. Oh man, I remember W the WB Kids programming like super good too. I grew up watching it. Static shock, my boy. (laughs) But then I also remember like the really terrible gritty reboot of like Animaniacs. So. Not Animaniacs, Jesus Christ. That's those are my boys. Um and girl, I mean uh Looney Tunes, the really the really weird gritty early 2000s reboot of Looney Tunes. But anyway, so four kids had this very lucrative 9-hour block of children's programming until 2008. So I emphasized 2008 because something happened in that year that affected a lot of different companies. Like any story that happens during the late 2000s, it's because of the Great Recession. Whoa! (laughs) Oh boy! So the reason why you don't really hear about four kids anymore and why they essentially disappeared, it started because of the Great Recession. So yeah, in 2008, Fox basically ended its Saturday morning cartoon slot They were competing with Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, and Disney Channel, so it just wasn't viable anymore. Oh, yeah, that's fair. They'd eventually bring back educational kids programming for a slightly shorter block, but also I feel like, and I might be wrong as an old, but I feel like... (laughs) As a decrepit ancient. (laughs) I feel like kids don't watch Saturday morning cartoons anymore because they've got netflix and hulu and youtube YouTube. and if they don't have internet access they have i guess they have pbs oh pbs my beloved yeah yeah definitely different than from when we were growing up when the internet was still basically in its infancy so also in 2008 four kids announced that they would lay off 15 percent of their workforce and in Mm. 2010 the company was delisted from the new york stock exchange Ooh. R.I.P. Yeah. pieces. Fuck. <laughs> so they'd still be publicly traded, but they were no longer the massively successful company that had once licensed Pokemon. Yeah, god, what a slow saunter down downward into, you know, obscurity. That sucks. Yeah. They're not done yet. In 2011, Alfred Kahn, the Cabbage Patch Man. No. <laughs> <laughs> he left the company... And shortly after, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Of course they did. And then got sued by TV Tokyo and Nihon Ad Systems for allegedly signing illegal agreements with other companies. Hmm. So what happened was, TV Tokyo claimed that four kids had these agreements with Funimation and Majesco for Yu-Gi-Oh!, which meant that four kids could collect royalties without paying a portion to TV Tokyo which was in violation of their agreement because they were supposed to take those royalties and give uh, a certain amount to TV Tokyo and they just weren't doing that. How shitty of them. Yeah. So this trial would go on from 2011 to February 2012 when 4Kids and TV Tokyo eventually settled. And then in 2012, 4Kids made a deal with Kidsco Media Ventures and 4K Acquisition. 4K took the US rights to Yu-Gi-Oh! Kids Co. got Dragon Ball Z, Sonic X, Cubix, and the CW Saturday Morning Cartoons block. 
Sorry, you just fool cubics. <laughs> Unlocking like oh, is that why there's just like a moment where you just froze? Yeah. Fucking unlocking the most hidden <laughs> memories in my brain tonight. Jesus. Later in 2012, 4Kids started ceasing operations of several of its entertainment divisions, including their home video and ad sales, ended operations in the UK, and later rebranded as 4 Licensing Corpor- Corporation. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they ended their Chapter 11 protection at the end of 2012. Unluckily, the company quietly went bankrupt in September 2016 and ended operations entirely on February 7th, 2017. R.I.P. in pieces, King. <laughs> Damn, what a, like, a really slow, depressing decline, though. Yeah, they kind of, like, ambled into the end and just kind of... Like, literally talking about the epitome, the epitome of, like, going out with a whimper. Yep. Woof. Yeah, it's funny, because I think I remember I had this thought, like, a couple months ago, where I was like, whatever happened to four kids? I looked them up, and it was like, oh, they've been bankrupt for, like, three years. I was like, oh, that's kind of sad, I guess. Yeah, that's... Damn. (laughs) Yeah, I think they kind of went out when everyone kind of moved on and forgotten about them. I mean, shit happens, like, (laughs) capitalism, hellscape, don't know what to tell ya. (laughs) So, I'm gonna get into the controversy. Yay! (laughs) I actually don't really get into, like, the details of the edits they made, so much as, like, just, like, the general beef everybody had. Yeah, I mean, you would have to go into a lot of detail with, like, every single edit that they did, because they did a lot. (laughs) Yes. So, this isn't really part of their decline, per se, but their fallout with the anime community really came to a head with their dub of One Piece. So, funny story, there was an English dub before the 4Kids dub. Oh. Yes. You might not have heard of it because it was recorded by a dubbing company called Odex in Singapore and produced by Animax, but they couldn't license it for TV, so nobody knows about it outside of Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia because those are the only places where they could release it on VCD. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So they had a very limited cast of six regulars <laughs> recording this whole show. They uh, went up to eight regular voice actors for the second season. They had a lot of problems, aside from having a whole eight people working on the show. People kept leaving the cast. One character went through three different voice actors. They had... Poor editing, poor recording, wooden acting, ran for 104 episodes before Toei was like, we're just gonna, we're we're taking this one. (laughs) They just refused to renew their license. Okay, listen, real quick. Like, how how do you fuck up so bad that (laughs) Toei is like, we gotta, you can't, you can't, you can't do our our stuff anymore. Like, Toei has its own reputation for, like, it's... Honestly, in the beginning, I mean, maybe still today, but, like, they have a, they have a reputation for, like, their very cheap animation. <laughs> so, like, the fact that you fucked up so bad that even Toei is, like, nah. Like, ooh, yikes. <laughs> 
So in 2004, Toei had the show on their hands that they wanted to get an English dub for. So they announced that they were scouting for an English dubbing company, and there was a lot of competition. As you can imagine, for at this point, One Piece has been running since like 99. Oh, man. But it's massively popular. So everybody wants in on this. Funimation was so confident that they'd get the license that they registered a domain name for One Piece before the deal was actually confirmed. Oh, you fucking idiots. (laughs) Oh, no. And the deal went to four kids. Ooh. So another fun fact, four kids never wanted to dub One Piece. Then why did they (laughs) buy the license? So... Well, One Piece was way too violent and mature for their target audience. Yeah. And they knew it would be a struggle to try and edit that for children. But they really wanted some other shows that Toei had, mostly Tokyo Mew Mew. And the oh, only okay. way to get it was if they also took One Piece. So Toei was like, you can have Tokyo Mew Mew, but you have to take One Piece. I mean, smart of them, honestly. Yeah. So, like, great for Toei because they found, like, an English dubbing company bad for four kids because it wasn't in their target audience. They weren't prepared to edit a show like this. Like, they mm-hmm. just didn't fit in their lineup. So four kids was stuck with One Piece until 2007 when Funimation finally won the license. Resuming where four kids left off and they redubbed the previous episodes and that all aired on Toonami. Although Cartoon Network still forced some edits. Like the infamous Sanji's cigarette. Being a lollipop. Yeah. They just edited it out entirely. That was Cartoon Network? Yes. So. Interesting. I'll get to that. As we've talked about on the show, One Piece is massive. It's been on air since the late 90s, has sold millions of copies as a manga, and is still one of the most popular shows even amongst Western fans. A lot of fans feel that 4Kids fucked up the dub so bad that that's the reason why it's not as instantly recognizable as Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon in the West with, Mm -hmm. like, normies. Yeah. And as we mentioned before, 4Kids often edited episodes or removed entire arcs, and they also never released full uncut episodes. So this is why people kept fan-subbing it, and the Japanese studios are kind of just like, y'all can keep doing your fan-subs. So, in defense of four kids. Bold words, but continue. <laughs> um, they're not the ones who made the decisions on the edits. It was the networks. I mean, valid. <laughs> so they would send the script to the network, and then the network would decide what the edits were, what they were and weren't comfortable with, And then four kids would have to make those changes in order for the episode to air. Yeah. That's how it works for anyone who doesn't know. Like, regardless of the show, like, even today with children's media specifically, like, that's how it works. Like, Alex Hirsch has famously talked about it before and, like, what for Gravity Falls on, on Disney and, like, famously what he could and could not get past the censors. For Mm -hmm. a, you know, a darker children's show. One thing I can remember specifically is the episode, The Love God, mm -hmm. where they wanted to have a queer couple. It was, you can see it in their storyboards. It was supposed to be a lesbian couple and they weren't allowed to do it. Yeah. 
And it, it depends on the network, too, because in comparison, I remember losing my mind when I, I walked into the room and my brother was watching an episode of Regular Show, and they mm-hmm. said, like, they cussed. Ew, like, they said, like, yeah. crap, or, like, did they say crap or shit? Was it Mordecai says, I'm pissed off. Yeah, like, they said crap and, like, pissed, and I was like, yeah. what? Whoa, times have changed. Hello? hello who is this this is cartoon network are you sure like so it absolutely also depends on the network too yes but um yeah i mean that's that's something that like not like people who aren't in the entertainment industry in some form don't really know so like i'll give them that i'll give them the fact that like it wasn't completely their fault Mm mm-hmm and also, four kids weren't the only ones heavily editing anime. Oh, we want to talk about DIC. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah, the Sailor Moon dub is fucking notorious for cutting out entire like the last two arcs. They just didn't buy them. Mm-hmm. And then with the episodes they did have, they did chop a whole bunch together, and they cut out stuff and chopped a whole bunch together, and. They changed the characters' names, because this was the mm-hmm. 90s, so they had to have American names. We can't have the children knowing about Asian other, names. Other cultures. But, like, I guess the most famous incident from the original Sailor Moon was that Uranus and Neptune, who are a a gay couple, they are You mean lesbians. just gals being a pals? They are lesbians. Like, they have... They were lesbians. Mrs. Takeuchi, like... They were lesbians in the manga. This is not a... (laughs) This is a thing. They were changed to cousins in the original DIC dub in the 90s, which maybe wasn't a good... I don't think anyone really thought about the consequences of that, because they definitely left some scenes in where they, like, were being really close and touchy-feely. But I guess what's more American than cousin kissing? Besides it being <laughs> more British, I guess. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm watching the Viz dub right now. And, like, I'm kind of sad I never watched Sailor Moon. To be fair, they did. I I, I would have been watching the DIC dub when Which is, it was airing. I mean, it's iconic. Like, it is a little nostalgic. <laughs> I will, I will yeah. admit that. It's not good, but it's nostalgic. <laughs> but, like... I feel like if I had seen Haruka on TV as a kid, I would have figured out I wasn't straight a lot sooner. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my gay ass who's been out since middle school. <laughs> yeah. Um. Absolutely. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, I think that they definitely didn't pick up the like the the very last season because the um the sailor scouts who were introduced in like i'm pretty sure it's the last season um the sailor starlights they don't have the normal sailor fuku the sailor uniform they wear Mm -hmm. like bikinis which Mm. is an interesting choice Mm -hmm. but that probably influenced their their decision to not pick it up because it was insanely popular like literally i played Sailor Moon at recess in like preschool, so like uh and had friends that did too. So like it not being popular was like I don't think the reason why they, they didn't pick up the later seasons. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that other companies are also 
heavily editing anime for children, but didn't become the villain that four kids did. And I really think that's because four kids did One Piece, which had a huge fandom before it came to the States. I imagine the kind of people who were watching One Piece before it came over are the kind of people who were seeking out subbed anime in the early 2000s. So they would be especially dedicated fans who would be very mad if you touch their precious anime. That it got the kitty treatment, too. Yeah. It's, it's not. It is not a kid's show. Like, mm-hmm. it's fun and lighthearted for the most part, but it is, you know, it's pretty violent. <laughs> I mean, so uh-huh. is, like, literally, though, so is... My brain wanted to say Godzilla because I was thinking about Goku, <laughs> but Goku's not the name <laughs> of the show. It's Dragon Ball. <laughs> You know, the Goku show. Dragon Ball was also, like, just as sexually suggestive and violent. But it it didn't get, for whatever reason, it didn't get the same treatment. Mm-hmm. The OG English dubs are, like, remembered fondly from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, continuing my semi-reluctant defense. Oh, boy. <laughs> to be fair... Their dubs are the reason why anime went from a cult following to a pop culture phenomenon. They're part of the reason why Pokemon got so popular and is still a cultural mainstay. Pokemon fans remember playing the games, but they also remember the TV show and, honestly, the iconic theme song. Yeah. Like, I only remember the very first season of the show. That's the only one I've ever Mm -hmm. watched. And also, like, if you do go back and watch the original show subtitled, it's like... It's pretty standard. Like, yeah. it's not anything to write home about. And I think one thing for kids did really well was, yes, they made a lot of weird, questionable edits, like the Jelly Donut incident. They also were pretty fun dubs. Like, everyone remembers the, I'll turn my trusty frying pan into a drying pan joke. That's so good! <laughs> and and honestly, like, really fits Brock's character, which is yes. incredible. Like, that's such a, it's such a good, it's such a good joke. So yeah, like, Pokemon is still beloved to this day. And a lot yeah. of people our age have very fond memories of the anime. And especially, like, you cannot play the first, like, two seconds of the theme song. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Every anime convention, if there's... Any form of karaoke or group gathering, if, like, you sing it, everyone will join (laughs) in. Like, when Anime Los Angeles was still tiny, and at Mm -hmm. the original Marriott, where it was, like, there was karaoke, because it was small enough to have, like, separate rooms like that, and Mm -hmm. it always got sang at least, like, fucking ten times a day. (laughs) Conversely, I think these dogs are why most people still thought of anime as just other cartoons for children for another decade. Ayy. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably why I ended up seeing a lot of parents buying hentai for their children at Waterstones. Because <laughs> it's just cartoons. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely had the dichotomy of, like, four kids and then Toonami and Adult Swim that actually picked up those adult shows and, like, respected them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who the, 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 hmm. Yeah, no, I was reading harem manga in, like, middle school, because I would borrow it from friends. It's not the greatest. Yeah. I was talking to my friend earlier today about um, Vampire Night, and how I don't think I would ever recommend that shit to anybody. It's so deeply problematic. 
God, yeah. I never finished it. I never finished season two. I only ever watched season one. But even then, it was like, this is, like, looking back on it, like, definitely, like, hmm. Also, to be fair, for, to be fair to four kids and their edits, some of the ones they did were for cultural sensitivity. Um, Japan is not shy about blackface. Okay, I will give them credit where credit is due for that one, at least. Like, if you look at the wiki page for four kids, there is a picture on there of an edit they did of a character that has very dark skin and very red lips, and it looks very problematic. So I understand why they edited that for the episode, because it definitely looks like blackface. Like, even if it wasn't intended to be blackface, it looks a lot like blackface. I mean, it was probably absolutely intended to be black because <laughs> yeah. i mean listen we are running an anime podcast but like japan still really intensely has issues with blackface minstrel imagery like yeah. we can't be shy about saying that because it's true mm-hmm. oh yeah i'm looking at that picture right now was... yeah i mean yep. you know what i'm not gonna fault them for it they did what they could <laughs> And also, like how the Viz Media translation for Detective Conan gets imported to other countries, a lot of countries imported the four kids' dubs. So they also edited in mind of their overseas audiences. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with editing out cultural references in anime. I mean, I don't. I We literally just talked, like, last episode about just let them say fucking itatakimasu, but... yeah. But also, this was the 2000s when being colorblind was progressive. I mean, <laughs> certain liberals still like to think that way. Yeah, I also have in my notes that uh, the 2000s was a time when being colorblind was progressive and J.K. Rowling was just anti-Semitic and racist in a way that people were okay with. And she wasn't an open transphobe yet. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Suzanne with I'm the stingers today. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, I knew from, like, a little kid that the fact that the only fucking visible Asian character's name was Cho Chang. Yeah, it should have ended at Cho Chang, and the fact that it didn't says a lot. Yeah, and the fact that, of course, no one said anything about, like, the literal goblins who run the bank. <laughs> That's not anti-Semitic. They're just goblins that are really into money to the point where... They're extremely untrustworthy, and they also control all of the banks in the wizarding world. Anyway. <laughs> um, what else do I have here? Oh, also, in For Kids Defense, their intros slapped. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> their intros do slap. Like, they slap as hard as the D.I.C. Sailor Moon English dub slaps. Like, mm-hmm. the intros are very good. And they're unique yeah. to just, like, the time period of the early two thousand, the early to mid-2000s. Like, I love the stupid One Piece opening. Originally, they actually recorded an English version of the first opening. It was called We Are. And they did a, like, English translation and dub of the original Japanese. Uh-huh. Which never aired. Oh. And was replaced by the Gum Gum Rap. And... Ooh. If you have not heard the gum gum rap, please stop whatever the fuck you're doing right now and go look it up on YouTube and go bless yourself because it is the most 
incredible piece of art that has been produced in the last 20 years. It's like up there with the German Naruto opening. It's just, it's so bad that loops around to good. Cool. It's like... I mean, I feel that I feel that way about the pokey rap, so... <laughs> like, it's it happened at that time period where, like, adults are like, all right, what are the kids into? Rap music? All right, let's just do a whole lot of rap. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, uncomfortable rapping, but it's so catchy. And it, like, introduces all of the main characters and explains what the show is about in like a minute and it's so bad it's amazing yeah oh man (laughs) now i'm just thinking back to when there were 150 pokemon and you could rap about them all at once (laughs) (sighs) so now that four kids is gone what happened to everybody when four kids shut down a lot of voice actors in new york city lost work which is unfortunate yeah some of them moved to la and end up at funimation or other la-based anime studios some just retired from anime voice acting some are still in the industry as voice directors or other production roles some are still doing anime voice acting some have just retired altogether mm-hmm. if they stayed in voice acting pretty much all of them have done or are working on pokemon like Pokemon is the biggest employer of voice actors in the United States. Hell yeah. So I have like a list of voice actors. Four Kids hired like a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a whole lot of experience with English voice actors. So I tried to pick the ones that people might recognize. Okay, we'll see if I recognize them. (laughs) (laughs) Dan Green, who voiced uh, Yugi Moto. And Knuckles. Oh, okay, yeah. He now teaches voiceover in New York. He's still active as a voice actor, and most recently has worked on Pokemon Journeys and Akudama Drive. Okay. Jason Griffith, who voiced Sonic from 2003 (gasps) to 2006. Yes! He relocated to LA in 2018. He's still active as a voice actor, most recently on Pokemon Journeys. And a couple of years ago, he worked on Furikuri Progressive, the sequel to Furikuri hey. or FLCL. Cassandra Lee Morris, her first anime role oh, was man. in Magical Dory Me, which never aired on TV. Her first role that did actually air was as Alice in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Oh my god. I mean, her <laughs> name is intensely familiar to me. I would probably recognize her voice if I heard it. Uh-huh. She actually didn't have much prior knowledge of anime before she took the role, but she would go on to provide voices for Pokemon, Wix Club, and Chaotic. After Four Kids, she voiced Kyubei in Madoka Magica. The bastard boy. <laughs> she said that, like, it was the first time she'd voiced a character so controversial. I hope she had fun, because everyone loves oh, yeah. Kyubei. She has also voiced... Taiga Aisaka in Toradora, Sue in Doraemon, and she's narrated audiobooks for Simon & Schuster. Huh. And she still does some Western animation voice acting. She voices Sabrina in Miraculous Ladybug. Nice. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Aritz played Amy Rose on Sonic X. Oh my god. (laughs) 
she's still active as an anime voice actor. Uh, she's also done Pokemon Journeys, and most recently Arte, uh, which is an anime that aired in 2020, I think. Clearly not on your watch list, so that doesn't matter. What? No, no, I've seen Arte. Oh, okay, never mind. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Casey Rogers voiced Max, Mr. Mime, and Wilbafet on Pokemon. Oh, how iconic. Right? Yeah. She retired from voice acting entirely and relocated to Zanzibar in Tanzania. So she just... She went. She said, <laughs> fuck all y'all. I'm going to Zanzibar. <laughs> okay. Kathleen McKierney, also known as Veronica Taylor, voiced Ash Ketchum until 2006. Icon. And Sailor Pluto in the Sailor Moon Yeah! Disco. So she still does uh, anime voice acting. She's been in Akudama Drive, God of High School, and Great Pretender. Nice. And Erica Schroeder, or also known as Bella Hudson, voiced Monkey D. Luffy in the Four Kids One Piece dub. And she's still active in anime. Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, the list goes on and on. A lot of these people found other jobs in the industry, uh, like I said before, continued voice acting. Some stopped. Uh, some people became teachers. Some, yeah, just left the industry entirely. I mean, understandable. Like, you have to constantly be on your feet and on your guard industry. Mm -hmm. And that is as true today as it was in the 90s. Yeah. Probably more so because competition is so high. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially from, like, the early 2000s where you had, like, the same six people getting every <laughs> big role. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. In conclusion, four kids dubs could be super crunchy and bad, but they were intended for children. And a lot of their most egregious edits were really the fault of the networks and not so much four kids themselves. And... Anime is also beloved by children because of them. They were a major employer of anime voice actors in New York City at the time. Granted, the voice acting industry has its own issues, but that's a whole other episode. Yeah, and I mean, so does the fact that they still apparently did have some, you know, scummy business practice. Is yeah. But what corporation in America doesn't? <laughs> Oopst Among Us has not committed some minor fraud for money. Oopst Among <laughs> Us has not... Committed white-collar crimes. <laughs> but they're also bankrupt now, so... R.I.P. in pieces, King. Damn. <laughs> Pour one out. But yeah. It was interesting finding out, like, I guess the rise and fall of four kids. And, like, now their dubs don't feel like such a huge deal, especially because, like, One Piece got redubbed by Funimation. Yeah. And it's still licensed by them. But Ember, it feeling like such a huge deal that they fucked up Tokyo Mew Mew. And I had like this massive vendetta against them. It's like this. Like, who was I? Just a 13-year-old on DeviantArt writing her 125-part oh self-insert fanfiction. Ah! Oh my god. <laughs> a mood. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you want to keep painting for kids, you can keep painting for kids. But um, I don't think they're, like, the the real villain of the 2000s, really. I mean, I don't think anyone our age genuinely hates them. I think at this point it's literally just, like, they're a meme. 
Like, it's, mm-hmm. everyone just dunks on them because it's, like, they are incredibly dunkable. <laughs> but it's still got that sort of, like, beloved nostalgia factor for a lot of people our age. Mm-hmm. Uh, people our age in America, let me clarify. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch Pokemon. I didn't really watch Yu-Gi-Oh! either. I kind of caught episodes of Digimon and Beyblade. But that was mm-hmm. it. Like, I don't have the same nostalgia for, like, the Pokemon opening theme the way other people do. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, now at over an hour in, hey, what have you been watching? Not necessarily anime, but I did start watching the animated Invincible show with my partner. How was that? Uh, it's it's a better breakdown and, like satire of the superhero genre than the boys uh is Mm. um it's not it's violent it feels like maybe sometimes like they're doing it for no other reason than to do it Mm -hmm. but as far as like it's not grimdark for grimdark's sake like the characters actually are allowed to be happy despite everything else that's that's (laughs) happening we're only like four or five episodes in Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I like it as a breakdown of the superhero genre so far. And most of the cast are POC. And like oh. the main character is a visibly Asian man. Wow. The bar is on the floor and we're finally meeting it. Yeah. Like his mom <laughs> is voiced by Sandra O, oh, And uh, the oh. main character is voiced by Steven Yoon Yuen. Mm-hmm. The guy everyone should know from The Walking Dead if you've been in nerd culture for the past five years. <laughs> but he voices the main character, Mark, and it's really nice to see him and other stuff after after Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. But uh, what have you been watching? Yeah, so Winter 2021, I watched Horimiya. Go watch it. It's very good. Beastars 2 was very good. I think it ended on a good note. One Drug Priority ended weirdly, but apparently there's like an extra episode coming out in the summer. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't don't know what that's about, but uh, it gets real fucked up in the last couple episodes. Everyone's mad at the ending of Promise Neverland. I'm not that mad about it, but I understand. The ending feels very rushed. It's because um, they did the whole uh, front half of the episode. It felt like there should be a third season but yeah. then the second half is just the slideshow of memories. I've seen several posts about this. <laughs> yes. Um, Heaven's Design Team is very cute. It's that show where God started making animals and then he thought it was too much work, so he outsourced. I love that concept. It's very fun. <laughs> it's very good. And our favorite X-Arm, which I rated a <sighs> 0.5 because I couldn't give it zero. To be fair, I gave it that 0.5 for sheer unintentional entertainment value. Is it over? Well. Is... Oh no. Well. <laughs> oh no. It should not, by any rights, get a second season. But it might. Because, no! to be fair, it was utter trash. But a lot of people watched it. So maybe they might? No. But also. <sighs> Nobody cares about spoilers for this stupid show. But the main character dies at the end. Good. But it's heavily implied that he comes back and like, there's like an after credit scene where it's implied that he didn't die. 
Uh, I did watch the episode on two times speed, so I had to like go back and rewatch it to see if it was actually that bad. It was. He dies at the end. It's it's very stupid. Um, it does not redeem his character really much at all because he's so like everyone made fun of Bella Swan for being a cardboard cutout of a character. The main character in X Arm is like so incredibly boring and bland. <laughs> he's like the brown haired main character of the harem anime, but worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah I wish X-Arma very kindly do not get a second season <laughs> if it gets a second season and like some of the stuff I was watching last season doesn't I will be very upset yeah me too <laughs> my highlight for spring right now is the show called Mashiro no Oto it's about a kid who plays the shamisen which is a traditional Japanese instrument it's like the it looks like a weird boxy guitar with three strings. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. I'm very into it for some reason, even though I'm concerned about the fact that the characters' faces don't move sometimes. But mm. <laughs> I'm keeping an eye on that one. Hopefully I don't come back in like six weeks like, oh god, don't watch the show. Well, please keep us updated. I'm, I for one, await your judgment. It can't be worse than X-Arm. Literally nothing can be worse than X-Arm at this point. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> a trash fire of a show. Woo! You can find us on Instagram at two leaves in a trench coat. We're on Twitter at two leaves in a trench. Or you can email us at leaves in a trench coat at gmail.com. Our opening theme is Our Way by Whitney. I'm Madison. I'm Suzanne. And sometimes you just gotta catch them all. <laughs>